0: All right, well, thank you, Brother Dwayne. Good evening, everybody. I am Bradley Griggs. We're talking about names tonight again, and so I wanted to be sure to introduce myself. But we're, uh, it's good, so good to see you tonight. I I do want to share something with you. I got called just before the service began tonight, Kim Odom, uh, Pastor Andy John's minister assistant. Most of you know Kim. Uh, she got a call just a few minutes ago, and her sister has passed away uh, up in East Tennessee, uh, Libby Brown. And so we want to be in prayer for her tonight. And I told Kim that we would certainly pause as a church family and pray for her and her family. Uh, and so it was. Her sister had been sick for quite a while, but I think uh, it was just an unexpected call. They had a family reunion scheduled for this weekend, and. Uh, So it's just going to be a difficult time, but just uh, I want us to pause and just pray especially for Kim uh, and her family, and just pray that God would give them comfort. Uh, Libby was a Christian. She knew the Lord, and so they rest in that hope that that she is with the Lord and much better off and healed uh, completely. So let's pray together and just lift that family to the Lord. Father God, we thank you for the time we have to come together tonight as a church family, And Father, we are hurting as we have heard one of our own has lost a dear loved one. And uh, Father, we just pray that you would just comfort that family. I just pray for Kim and Mike and Caleb and Jill, that entire family, God, as they uh, meet with their uh, extended family this weekend. And uh, Lord, as they go through the mourning process, Father, we just pray that your spirit would be very real to that family. God, I know they trust you and their hope rests in you. And, Lord, we praise you tonight that Libby is with you and that we have that hope and assurance because of her faith and her trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, God, we just pray for that family and just ask that you would give them peace that passes all understanding. And, Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Again, I'm Bradley Griggs, and that'll be important for one of the points here in just a few minutes. But we're continuing our Wednesday night series uh, entitled as we look at as we look at the names of God that are used throughout the Scriptures uh, so that we can better understand and better know the person uh, of, and character of God. And so as we begin tonight, I want to ask a question, what's in a name? What's in a name? Uh, Why are names significant? Why are they important? What does a name mean to someone? What does a name say about a person? You know, for most of us, our names are important. Are they not? Uh, Think about it for just a minute. Those of you that have children... You probably remember how important it was and what a big deal it was, uh, sometimes even difficult to come up with a name for your children. I can remember going through that process of trying to pick out names for our children. We were living in Arkansas at the time, and uh, with both of our kids, we didn't know ahead of time whether or not we were having a boy or girl. Now, I'm not sure if, if uh, technology had progressed that far and we could have found out or not. I, I don't know. It's been a long time ago. But at any rate, we, we had to have two names picked out, one for a boy and one for a girl. And so for me, I, I wanted the boy's name to sound distinguished. You know, that's a little selfish, I guess, but I, I wanted it to sound distinguished. And we also wanted to use family names, so for our boy's name, we settled on William. Who was named after uh, Karen's late younger brother and uh, Keaton, who was named after my mamaw, of whom for whatever reason I was her favorite grandchild, and uh, that's a whole nother story. But for Karen, ever since she was a little girl, she always wanted to name her little girl Aaron. And I liked the name Aaron, all right, and of course I wasn't going to say no, so. We agreed that if we had a little girl, that we would name her Erin. And for her middle name, my grandmother on my dad's side, her name was Grace. And so we thought Erin Grace, that was a beautiful name, and so we settled on that, Aaron Grace. Well, Karen loved it, and so we were just set on that. And we were so excited, we had the baby's names picked out, we had the baby room prepared, neutral colors, of course, we didn't know what we were having, but uh, we had our bags packed for the hospital, and we were sitting on go, we were ready. And But names are important, right? And so one evening, just a couple of weeks or so before our first baby was to be born, we were talking about the baby. We were excited about it, whether it was going to be a boy or a girl. And uh, we had the wonderful names picked out and so on and so forth. We were just discussing. And how it came up, I will never know. I still don't remember to this day how it all came up. But somehow or another, we got to talking about the kids, having kids. And something came up about going to school. I mean, we don't even have a baby yet. We're talking about things going to school. And then all of a sudden, it hit us. And I don't know if it was Karen or me, but one of us said, we can't name our girl Erin Grace. I said, just imagine how she would feel when the teacher at school tells the class, write your initials on the piece of paper on your homework and turn it in. She'd had to write egg. We thought we can't do that to our kids. Well, it turns out our first kid was a girl, and we named her Whitney, <laughs> but it's Whitney Grace, and, but names are important, right? And so, about four years later, our son came along, William Keaton Griggs, William Keaton Griggs, that sounds dising- distinguished, doesn't it? Uh, I-, I can remember thinking, when, I, when we came up with that, I thought it, it sounded like William keith kellogg founder of the kellogg food company and uh anyway well you see my mamma was still alive at the time keaton was born and you know and my mamma, of whom i was her favorite i told you and she was still living and in honor of her karen and i we decided that we were going to call keaton by his middle name which was william keaton we were going to use his middle name and uh I'm telling you, when we when we decided that, and we told my momma, she just was beside herself. But I was no longer the favorite. And uh, but I say all that to say this: we we place a great deal of value on names. Names are important to us. You know, we associate a person. We associate a person's character. Uh, and characteristics to their names. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad. Sometimes it's a little bit of both. And for instance, a person or personal character or the characteristics do you associate with the following names? If I give you a list of names, and you just think about these names as you hear them and what you think about them, you'll you'll recognize them. Uh, What about Abraham Lincoln? See, how many of you knew Abraham Lincoln? See, we, we don't know Abraham Lincoln, but we know his name. Uh, Walt Disney, Billy Graham, uh, Tom Brady, (laughs) a little more contemporary, Tiger Woods. See, we we know those names. And so all of these we know by name. And we know their name because of what they've done, what they've accomplished. And, And we know who they are. But it's likely, and some of you may may have known Billy Graham, or you may know Tiger Woods or Tom Brady, but it's, it's doubtful. But most likely none of us knew them. We only know them by name, but they don't know us by name. And see, it's possible to know someone by name, but them not know you by name. But the neat thing about God is, is that we know God by name. Because he's revealed himself to us in the scripture by many different names. And the scripture teaches us that God knows us by name. He knows you and me by name. Listen to what the scripture says. John 10, 3 says, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. John 10, 14, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and I am known by them. And so tonight we're going to talk about another name of God. The name is Jehovah-Rohi, R-O-H-I. That's the Hebrew word for my shepherd. The Lord Jehovah, my shepherd. And Pastor Tony Evans said this about God as our shepherd. He said, "We we believe Him for eternity, but we don't have much confidence in Him in history. We know He will take us to heaven, but we're not sure He's got our back here on earth. Listen to that again. We believe, we believe in God for eternity, but we don't have much confidence for Him in history. We know that He'll take us to heaven, but we're not sure He's got our back while we're here on earth. And I'm afraid that's true for many of us tonight. So if that's you tonight, then this name is just for you. Jeho- Jehovah-Rohi, the Lord of. My shepherd. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to Psalm chapter 23. Psalm chapter 23, a very familiar passage, perhaps even the most familiar passage in all this Bible. And as you're turning there to Psalm chapter 23, I want to ask a couple of questions just to get us thinking. So what is a shepherd? What is a shepherd and what does it mean to shepherd? What is a shepherd and what does it mean to shepherd? Well, a shepherd is one who tends or takes care of sheep. A very simple definition, but it's one who tends or takes care of sheep. One who looks after them, he feeds them, he leads them, and one who protects the sheep. That's what a shepherd does. So look with me at Psalm chapter 23, again, one of the most familiar passages, and we're just going to step through this Psalm tonight, verse by verse, very quickly, and we're going make some points here, but David, King David wrote this poem as a praise and a recognition, and he coined the name, I guess, Jehovah-Rohi, and recognized God as shepherd. And so David wrote this poem. Undoubtedly, he was drawing upon his thoughts of the time when he had spent as a young man in his father's fields, watching over his father's sheep. And as he considered all that he had had to do as a shepherd to care for his father's sheep, he recognized the correlation of how God, Jehovah, had cared for and provided for and protected and led him throughout the course of his life. David is sitting on the king, on the throne, as king on the throne of Israel. Over God, he's the king of God's people. And he's writing this poem, thinking back to the time that he worked as a shepherd in his father's field. And he makes that correlation. He sees the correlation there of how God has taken care of him, how he's protected him, how he's delivered him, how he's provided for him. And so, beginning in verse 1, notice that David writes, The Lord Jehovah, the Lord Jehovah is my shepherd, my rohi. And note the statement That David writes here, the Lord is my shepherd. It's in the present tense. And that's important. David didn't say the Lord was my shepherd or the Lord will be my shepherd. David said the Lord is my shepherd. It's in the present tense. And so by placing God in the present tense, David is acknowledging that God is continuing to watch over him. God is continuing to care for him. God is continuing to provide for him. God's continuing to protect him. It's in the present tense. Jesus said in the New Testament, I am with you always. Present tense. God, you remember as Pastor Andy John shared with us a couple of weeks ago when God revealed himself to Moses and he said, I am who I am? That's present tense. It's present tense. We cannot escape the present tense of God. There is no way that we can escape the present tense of God. He's always present. He's right here, right now. He's a right now God. And note also that David, in this passage, in the first few words there, says, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He's letting us know that our God is a personal God, He's a personal shepherd. He's not only interested in the entire flock. God's interested in the individual sheep. God cares for you individually. And so David then begins to tell us in the second part of verse 1, he begins to tell us the ways that God takes care of his sheep. Look what he says. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want I shall not want. In other words, the shepherd has provided all of his needs. And this is true of a good shepherd. A good shepherd. In Jeremiah 3, verse 24, God promised to provide a shepherd for those who belong to him. A shepherd who will care for them, for his people, so that they'll not be afraid, they'll not be dismayed, nor they'll lack anything. That's what the scripture says in Ezekiel chapter 34 verses 2 through 4. God defined what a shepherd is expected to do for the sheep. He's to feed the sheep, strengthen the weak, heal the sick and the injured, find the strays and seek the lost. That's what God does for sheep. And so even more in verse in John chapter 10 verse 11, the good shepherd, the Bible says, lays down his life for his sheep. And so you see, the best shepherd is the one who's willing to die for the sheep. And that's exactly what God did for us. And when we choose Jesus as the good shepherd for our lives, we're choosing the one who died on our behalf. And so, but here's the difficulty for so many. In order for you to choose him as your shepherd, you first of all got to see yourself as a sheep. That's not a pretty sight. <laughs> How much do you know about sheep? There's several characteristics that are common to sheep. Sheep, The sheep is not the smartest animal in the barn. Some people have said that the sheep is about the dumbest animal that exists. Did you know if a sheep gets up, if you have one sheep in a flock and it gets up, you have one that gets up and starts walking in a circle, there'll be others that'll get up and follow it and walk in a circle behind it. And they're not going anywhere. That's just the nature of the sheep. And so they need a shepherd. If they're going to get to where they're going, they need a shepherd. And so that's a characteristic of the sheep. Sheep are also defenseless, they're easy prey. They need protection. You know, and sometimes in our life we think we're strong and we've got it all together until a crisis arises or until the devil attacks. And then we need protection, right? A sheep can't clean themselves. They have no way to clean themselves. You know, they got all that wool, it collects all the sweat. Ugh. Just think about it. And how the things hang on the dirt and the grime, and everything just hangs and it hangs up into that wool. And so they can't clean themselves. They're dirty, they're smelly. A the sheep needs cleansing. A sheep needs to be cleaned, and so we think we're good until we actually really and truly compare ourselves to the good shepherd. And when we do, we find out that we need cleansing. And listen to this about the good shepherd. The Scripture said he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sheep are also needy. <laughs> They're needy, they're dependent, they're, they're prone to wander. They have to be led by a shepherd if they're going to get anywhere at all. The shepherd, Notice that the shepherd doesn't push the sheep either. Imagine just trying to push a sheep. <laughs> the shepherd doesn't push the sheep, he leads them. And that's the same thing that's true for us. God, God doesn't force himself on us. He's not going to force himself or his mercy or his goodness upon us. He's going to lead us, and we, like sheep, can follow. Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Him. At Him is Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Look at verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. In the first part of verse 3, he restores my soul. Green pasture, still waters, and restored soul. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever, have you ever lost your get up and go? <laughs> you ever just felt tired, just you're just worn out? You just don't you just don't have the energy? You've lost your fire, your passion for something? You ever been to that place? Probably all of us have gone through that time in our lives before. But notice in this passage of Scripture that God doesn't ask you to lie down. God doesn't ask David to lie down. David says, he makes me lie down. He makes me lie down. I thought about this, saw this illustration. How many of you have toddlers in your home? Or ever had a toddler in your home? Did you make them take a nap? You know? You ever have difficulty getting them to lay down, and take a nap? Little Johnny, lay down, take your nap. And it's time to take a nap. No, Mama, no, Daddy, I don't want to take a nap. I'm not sleepy. What do they do? They rebel. They they don't want to take a nap. Why do you why do you want them to take a nap? Because they they need it. They need to be refreshed and renewed so they can carry out the rest of the day. They just don't have the energy. So we want to make them take the nap. But we they they kick and scream and cry and turn the house upside down sometimes but finally when they lay down it doesn't take them about that long and they're out like a light so we make them take a nap and so God doesn't ask us to lie down he makes us sometimes he makes us lie down and so as one of his sheep have you ever considered that God may have you or put you in a circumstance so that you have no other option except to trust in him to lean on him he may be just waiting for us to overcome our rebellion so that he can teach us to rest in him. And then the still or quiet waters. Do you know sheep are not sure-footed animals either? They're not like a goat. Now a goat can stand on anything. But a sheep is not sure-footed. If they wander, for instance, if they wander into a running into running water, into a stream that's it's fast water. They'll spend their time trying to stand up, trying to stay upright rather than drinking. So the shepherd would never lead a sheep to running water. If their wool gets wet, they can get top heavy. They can fall over, and they can't get back up. And they can, they can drown. So a shepherd doesn't lead the sheep to running water. He leads them to still waters, and the shepherds who are unable to find still water, they've been known to to dig a trench and then dig a little pond, and they would dig a trench and reroute the creek so that it would flow into the little pond and be still so they could lead the sheep to the little pond or to still water for the sheep to drink. And sometimes we're spiritually drained from life's challenges, and our souls can't experience rest and restoration that it needs because we wander off on our own path like a sheep that's gone astray. And we're trying to fix things ourselves rather than looking to God, the Good Shepherd, who wants to lead us to green pastures and still waters. And so look at verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Men, let me ask you a question. you ever gotten lost because you're afraid to ask directions or too embarrassed or too proud to ask directions? Or you thought you could figure it out somehow without looking at a map or without asking? As All of us can look back in our lives and we can see times in our lives where we've made wrong turns or bad decisions and we end up somewhere that we didn't want to be. Or in a circumstance we didn't want to be in, but David said, "God guides us into paths of righteousness for His name's sake." Listen to what Tony Evans said in Scripture: A name is more than nomenclature; it represents reputation and character. It reflects the heart of some of who someone is. To do something for the sake of God's name is to do it for the expansion of His glory. And for the fame of His reputation, God guides us in a way that brings Him glory. All we've got to do is follow. We, like a sheep, have got to follow. And God wants to guide us in a way that brings Him glory. So He leads us in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Look at verse 4 at the valleys and the shadows, the rod and the staff. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Very simple definition of a valley is that a valley is a low place between two mountains. That's really deep, isn't it? Some valleys are. But it's a low place between two valleys. And actually... As a side note, if you carefully study Psalm chapter 23 and the preceding Psalm and the post Psalm, I guess you would say, chapter 23 and 24, you'll find out and you'll discover that Psalm 23 has been placed in between a description of two mountains. Psalm 22 describes Mount Calvary where Christ died. In Psalm 24, if you read it, it, it describes the mountain of God or the hill of God, the hill of the Lord, the mountain of the Lord, which is Mount Zion, where Christ will rule and reign forever and ever and ever. And so that's just a side note. doesn't have anything to do with tonight's message, but it's interesting to think about is that when we look at the valley, the shadow of death here in verse 4, all of us want to live on the mountaintop, do we not? We don't like it when we get in the valley. We all want to live on the mountaintop. Life is good. Health is good. family's good. Finances are good. When everything's going our way, when everything's just hunky-dory, we feel like we're on top of the world. We're living on the mountaintop. But the truth is that you can't walk from one mountain to the other without getting into the valley. You can't get from one mountain to the other without going through the valley. And like sheep when we're in the valley the sheep would in the va- would be in the valley and the 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 shade of the mountains would come over and the sheep would think it's dark and they would get afraid because of the predators that would come out in the evening. And so As we're in the valley, it may seem dark and we may become fearful, but we can rest assured that the good shepherd continues to lead us. His rod and his staff protect us, and we must simply keep following and not wander off the path. We're safer in the dark with God than in the daylight with anyone else. I like what Tony Evans, again to quote him, he said, you're better off with God in a bad place than you are without him in what you think is a good place. <laughs> We're better off with God in a bad place than we are without Him in what we think is a good place. And that's so true. Then, verse 5 You prepare a table before me. In the presence of mine enemies, you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. You know, our enemies are a threat to our security. An enemy is a threat to our security. In David's day, whenever a sheep... This is this is so interesting as I was studying this. In David's day, whenever a sheep strayed away from the flock, it would often wander into a thicket looking for berries or some other source of food besides the grass of the pasture. And so oftentimes its wool would get entangled in the thicket or in the briars, and often it would be cut and bleeding from being caught in the thorns. And so the shepherds would routinely carry a flask of oil with them. And so they had this little flask of oil, and they would also keep a cloth on their belt. And whenever they found the lost sheep caught in a thicket, they would carefully untangle it, clean out the wool, and then they would treat its wounds by rubbing the oil. They would take the oil and pour on its rooms and wounds and And the cuts and the scratches and they would rub that oil in in order to soothe and make the sheep heal. And then they would take the cloth from their belt and they would spread out that cloth on the ground and they would place a little bit of grass and some hay or dry feed on top of that cloth so that the sheep that was lost could eat Do you realize that when sheep are eating is when they're most vulnerable? When when a sheep is eating, especially one that's by itself, it's the most vulnerable to attack by wolves or other predators. But listen to this. As long as the sheep was eating in the presence of the shepherd, the predators would keep their distance. As long as the sheep would eat in the presence of the shepherd, the predators would keep its distance. That ought to encourage us tonight. If if we'll eat in the presence of God, if we'll eat from the Word of God, we'll take the meat of the Word of God and we'll stay in His presence and just eat from the Word of God. The the predators, the, the devil, the predator's... We'll keep a distance. The Good Shepherd cares for us in this way and, and his care is more than enough in every situation. It's, he cares enough that it overflows. My cup overflows. Second Corinthians chapter 9 verse eight says, God is able to make all grace abound in you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Then look at verse 6 as we close it out. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David finishes this poem of praise with verse 6. Notice that he didn't say that he hoped so. David said, it's surely so. Surely, goodness and mercy, loving kindness, God's loving kindness, his mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. David knew this for fact because he had experienced the good shepherd in his life. He had already experienced God's care. Remember, he's, he's a king now. He's looking back at how God has cared for him throughout all of his life. And he recognizes that God is a good shepherd who's cared for him, provided for him, delivered him, protected him all of his life. God's goodness and loving kindness, his mercy towards you, his mercy towards me is continually present in order to guide and direct us into the right direction. And as a result, the scripture says and promises As a result, we will live with him in the house of the Lord, Jehovah, Rahi. We will live in the house of the Lord, Rohi, our shepherd forever and ever and ever. Amen. 23rd Psalm's rich, isn't it? But it's just, it just shows us Who God really is, is being our shepherd. He loves us. He cares for us. He wants to protect us, provide for us. God is good. Amen? All the time. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for allowing us the opportunity to be here tonight to study your word together. Father, we thank you for the 23rd Psalm. And men like David... Lord, who recognize what a great God you are, what a caring God you are, what a loving God you are, what a protector you are, what a great shepherd. Lord, you are are a good shepherd. You're our good shepherd. And Father, I just pray that all of us would recognize that each and every day of our life when we find ourselves in difficult situations, help us to realize that we're not alone that you're right now, God, you're always with us in the present tense in our lives each and every day. Thank you again for allowing us this time together to worship and to study your word together. And I pray your blessings on each and every family that's here tonight. Lord, would you bless them for the rest of this week? Father, we pray for Pastor Andy John as he's in Brittany are away. Give them a great time of rest and restoration. And Father, we look forward to Him returning. Pray for Brother Josh. Surely as he prepares to bring Your Word this Sunday morning, God would just pour into him this week as he prepares. And Lord, we give You the praise, the glory, and the honor that You deserve. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you again for being here tonight. God bless you and good night. Be safe going home.